There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey there, it's Driven here on Talk Radio with me, Andy J. It's the show that talks to celebrities and achievers about what drives them. And we have three terrific celebrities for you today. We have one of the most successful Olympians Great Britain has ever produced, Sir Chris Hoy. We have a lady who's hosted more massive TV shows than most of us have had hot dinners, the lovely Amanda Byram. And we have actor, singer, model and all-round top man, Will Meller. Those are your guests today on Driven with me. Andy J. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. An actor, a model, a singer, a podcaster, and just a general, you know, he's the kind of guy you want to hang out in the pub with, to be honest. Plus, if you watch Celebrity Juice, you'll know what a laugh he is. I'm very pleased to welcome Mr. Will Meller. How you doing, Will? Hey, I'm all right, mate. Nice to speak to you. It's good to talk to you. I'm, I had to throw in the celebrity juice thing because, mate, you have the ability to have myself and my missus literally crying with laughter on that show. Well, I love it. I mean, the whole point of that show is just, you know, you don't take yourself too seriously and get involved and have a good time. And I, I enjoy having a bit of fun. I don't, I just don't take myself seriously. And, you know, Keith Lemon's a good friend of mine and we have a, we have a good laugh and, you just got to go in there and know he's going to rip you and you're going to get involved and just you got to go along with the show. Don't do it if you don't enjoy having a bit of fun. You in particular are, well, you're always the subject of a lot of stick, particularly with old photographs and stuff, and you take it on the chin like a legend, I've got to say. Well, you, yeah, well, as I say, what are you supposed to do? Because he's quite right in some of them. I mean, it's like, what was I thinking? But we've all got a past uh, and, you know, no regrets. Just got to take it on the chin and move on man, and have a bit of a laugh. Well, luckily, your past is pretty cool, and I'd love to talk about that, but but really, we have to discuss pubs first, because, of course, you're known, you had a huge role in Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps, your gaz, ten years in that show, fantastic. So everybody, when we think of you, we often think of you with a pint in your hand, and the podcast yeah. kind of backs that up as well. And, of course, right now, pint in hand is a bit of a controversial subject, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, this whole campaign, it's called Here's to the Pub, uh, and it's about... Um the UK's largest pub company, uh, what they've done is they've, they're offering one free drink per week through the month of October. And the way you find out is just go to Google Great British Pubs and you'll find us there and you'll find out where in your local area is doing this, what pub, and you can go and claim your free drink. And it's just to encourage people to get out and support their local pubs because they've put all these safety measures in place. They've had to spend extra money on staff, tables, segregation booths, whatever it might be. But they're costing them money, and we know how vital our local pubs are to our community, mental health and socialising, and yeah. we need it as human beings, and I just think it's vital that we keep supporting the local pubs so they don't have to close. Well, for, for plenty of people, you know, the, the local pub is like a second home, isn't it? It's, it's another living room. It's a place to be and just kind of hang out. Yeah, well, as I said about social interaction, there's a lot of people who, there'd be people out there that might have big families, and 
you know, they have lots of social, other social outlets, but there's some people that don't have that. Um, people who are lonely, people who live on their own, and old people, you know, and the pub can be that place where they go and feel part of the community. And it's vital. It really is vital. I mean, I think we all realise you don't know what you've got until it's gone in lockdown when suddenly you, that's been taken away from you and, you, and you, you go and watch a football match or you go and have a game of darts or pool or cards or just go and sit and be a part of the community and mm. chat and talk about your problems, just talk about what's going on, talk about the problems with what's going on in the world, whatever it might be. We need that social interaction. And as long as we stay safe and we stick, and, and stick within the guidelines, we need to make sure we get down and support our local pubs. I think that's really, uh, really well said, Will. And I've got to ask you about this free pint a week thing. Now, yeah. is that just with the pubs that you're known for going into as a local? Can you kind of do an almost a free pint pub crawl in your area? Is well, that- no, it's, it, it's only certain pubs. So if you go, it's actually www.great-british-pubs.co.uk. It's the full thing you have to type in. And you'll find out where in your area you can claim a free drink. And it's, as I say, it's one free drink per person per week through the month of October. So that's how you do it. And it's just to encourage people. I mean, 41% of people said they'd be devastated if the local pub closed. Yeah. So it's quite a large number. And, and it shows how vital these, these local pubs are to the community. Absolutely, mate. And, and I think it's important that we say as well that, yes, absolutely go for your free drink. But also make sure you stay for one that you're paying for as well, right? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, it's just to get you into, to encourage people to move forward. As I said, if it is, the pub might not be for you. Well, think about the other people that it's their only outlet of socialising or the only outlet to be a part of the community. Or it's, it's vital. I mean, I think the smoking ban, when that came in, nearly killed the pub. Mm. Uh, for a lot of people, it did. For a lot of the older generation who have been smoking all their lives and it's too cold outside for them to stand outside, they stopped going. And that's, that's sad. That can't happen. These yeah. people need to be a part of the community and they need to feel validated and they need to have that social interaction, especially with mental health climbing the way it is. We need to keep that. If you have any problems, you can talk about it down the pub if you need to. It's a perfect place to do so. That's a really good point. I mean, Will, you're a bit of a pub connoisseur, to be fair. You know, when we think of pubs and we think of kind of famous people that go to pubs, of course, yeah. you're someone that is naturally associated with them. And, you know, you, you kind of touched on mental health, so I hope you don't mind me kind of opening the door a little bit on no. that one. You know, I'd like to talk to you about when you first started in Hollyoaks, I think there was a story, you may, you may remember this or you may not, but I think there was a story about in your local that you'd been going to as a young lad and your teenager and whatnot, when you started on Hollyoaks, somebody from your pub decided to write a stupid letter to Channel 4. And that must have yeah. been, I don't know if you can remember it, but they were saying unpleasant things about you for absolutely no reason. And you had the stones to go into your pub, stick it mm. on the dartboard and call them out about it. I did, yeah. Well, it was, <clears throat> it's, it's just one of them things. I just got into Hollyoaks and it was my big break. And I, I mean, as I said, my local pub, I played football for, I played darts at the local, for the local pub. And they knew me, my family grew up in that area, so <clears throat> they all knew me. And, and when I got my break on Hollyoaks, you know, I, I continued going in the pub, as you would do, and see my mates. And, and then someone wrote a letter to the producer of Hollyoaks saying, um, he comes in our pub, um, you better sack him, um, because uh, he's going to end up getting his head kicked in. Um, and, you know, and the producer showed me the letter, and it was the only hate mail I got, you know, that. And it was the first bit, and it came from my local pub. I was devastated. I just thought, you know, you think people would support you. And so I took the letter, I put it on the dartboard, and I said to the landlord, find out who this is, because the coward obviously didn't put his name on it or her name. Mm. Um, they're just jealous people. I, I, just, I didn't understand it because I'd never changed. And I'd not, I, don't, I didn't go in there showing off because it's my local pub. I was, I was happy, obviously, but 
And it was sad, but, you know, there's a minority of people that will be like that. You know, they like to hate on people that have done okay for themselves, and it's a shame. Uh, but I still go in my local pub, uh, that pub, when I go up to see my mum and dad, or my mum, uh, and um, I see my friends, and I go in there, and it's the same old people still sat around, and I go and talk to them, and it's just great. You know, it's just great to go and see familiar faces. Yeah, good man. There's a lot to you, Will. I've got to say, I mean, we've, we've never met before, but just, you know, our five minutes of chatting now, I can tell. Don't get me wrong, I didn't have a preconception that you were just some kind of, you know, not sort of super bright or anything, but you're a deep thinker. Well, it's, it's not that I'm passionate about things, and, you know, I, I don't I don't believe in getting a part of something unless you're passionate about it, and the local pub and, and pubs and socialising, and I'm passionate about... Um, and, and I don't think I'm a deep thinker. I just sort of... I, I get frustrated... Um, when I when when people aren't passionate about something, or, or, or it's, it's if it's something that matters to me, I'll speak up about it. I'm quite open and honest, and, and I'm an open person. I love to meet people and talk to people, and and if if you meet me or you speak to me, you get me. There's no there's no like rehearsed message that I put out. Mm. It's just me, and I think it's it's important for me to be me. You know, it's because um, there's no point in trying to be somebody else because you'll get caught out and. You know, I don't believe in all that fake stuff. So I try to be me and I try to be honest. And at least you can make an honest opinion of who, what you think of me then. Oh, good for you, mate. It it's, comes across, you know, you, you're, 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 you're owning your own skin, which I think is really important these days. Cause, you know, there's yeah, I try to, mate. I try to. There's, there's a lot of fake out there, aren't there? You know, social media and whatnot. We never really know who someone is these days. Well, that's the problem with social media. I think people are, are always trying to be somebody else. And I think that's the problem with why mental health has, has been the way it's gone for young people having problems with it because they can't ever be and look like the person they're portraying online. And, you know, they, they, they try to look, make these Instagram and then they, they change all the backgrounds and the colors and they change their face to look a certain way and then they post that. But that's not reality. And then, and then, they, and then, if someone gives them flack on the way they look, they take it personally. And I just think it's it's a difficult world we live in. I'm quite glad that I wasn't growing up around this social media world um, because I think it's hard for young people to deal with it. Um, people can say horrible things and they get straight direct to you. Um, I, I would say take it with a pinch of salt and don't put it out there if you don't like negatives because there's always going to be negatives. But you know, people are going to be people. And just be, I just my advice would be just be happy with who you are. And, you know, stop trying to change what you look like or who you are. Uh, just be you. And if people don't like you for you, then they're not for you anyway in the first place. I think that's sage advice, mate. I've been owning my, I mean, my, I don't know about you, but since since the old lockdown, exercise, etc., has not been as strong as it should be. My face is, <laughs> I'm, I'm an old fella now. My face has started to look like a smashed up old tea bag. I've certainly got plenty of uh, folds where there was tautness. And it's just how it is, isn't it? Well, of course it is. You've got to own it. I'm 44 now, and people always ask me, are you scared about getting old? It's like, something I can't do about it. It's better than the alternative. I'd rather be getting old than not here. You know what I mean? So <laughs> but you can't do anything about it. You've got to grab life, and you've got to go out there um, and just, you know, beat yourself and try and put, put one foot in front of the other. Because I, I have struggled. I've struggled with ups and downs mentally. I have done, as, as a lot of people do. Mm. And I always say to people, talk about it. You know, speak to your friends and family and be open and honest. And the pub is a great place where you can do that. And if you are struggling, it's, a pub is also a great place just to go and forget about your worries for a few hours and just go and talk about nothing, nonsense. Talk about whatever you want. Play a game of darts. Go and play cards or, you know, go and speak to someone who you don't really know his full name. Just know that I've got a friend who's called Horse in my local pub. Horse! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he's called that. I'll try and keep my head out of the gutter. But it's just... That's what I'm saying. That's what the pub gives you. It gives you these characters with these nicknames or you don't even know the full name, but you only see them in the pub. We've got to keep them going. We've got to keep them characters out and, you know, 
Uh, and it's good for me. So hopefully it works for other people. You talk about, you know, having a conversation if you're having a tough mental health day, etc. And it's something you've done in pubs. If someone hasn't done that before, because, you know, we're seeing lots and lots of people say, oh, talk about it when you're having a tough time. But lots of people haven't spoken about it before. They don't know how to start that conversation. How should you do it? How, wh- what would you advise a lad that's having a rough time and it just needs to maybe <clears throat> say something? Well, I think sometimes it's better if you actually ask somebody else to say, how, how are you dealing with all this at the moment? How, how's your head been? Uh, have you ever been through it if you where you felt a bit, you know, ask the question and inevitably someone will say, well, are you all right? Are you? And then you can talk, open it by asking somebody else uh, and opening the conversation because you'd be surprised how many people would, would open up if you ask them. Because um, you, you look around and you think, oh, oh, he's all right, she's all right. But people hide behind a face. You know, you got you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and going on behind people's eyes. So if you feel that you 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 need to talk or you want to talk, there's always a person you'll always go, oh, he's, he'll be a good one or she'll be a good one. Then ask them, how are you doing with all this? How's your mental health been? How, how's your state of mind with all this? And then your conversation's opened, and then inevitably they'll ask you, and then you can talk. I think, you know, that's how I do, I do it. Sound advice, mate. Thank you. That's really great. And I hope that people listening, if anyone's having a tough time, they can just do that. Get themselves down the local, get on this free drink a week scheme, keep the pubs open, yep. keep them going, obviously safely, socially distanced, etc. We've obviously got to be mindful of that. But you're right, if you need to talk, start a conversation. And also keep supporting your local pubs uh, with this scheme here to the pub and, and hopefully we can keep them open because they are spending a lot of money on keeping safe and keeping us safe. So let's show support and get out there. Make sure you drink safely, but do have a pint for me and support the EI Publication Partnership to have a bounce back to your local pub. Now, up next on Driven, I'm joined by the lovely Amanda Byram here on Talk Radio. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey, there is Driven here on Talk Radio with me, Andy J. Now, I am so, so excited about my next guest. Now, when I give you a list of the things that she has done, you'll think to yourself, hang on, that's not one woman, it's maybe 16. We're talking about a class-leading TV presenter, a model, a fitness guru, a food professional, a world traveller, and now, to top it all off, she's only gone and written a book about emotional reinvention and mental and physical well-being. Ah. <sighs> I'm exhausted just saying that. Welcome to the show, the amazing Amanda Byram. How are you doing, Amanda? Yay! I'm really good. That's a lot to live up to. 16 women all in one. That's a powerful punch. <laughs> That's a heck of a night, Amanda, I must say. That would be... <laughs> I'd be exhausted. How are you? Let's leave that right there and crash on. I'm really good. All 16 of me, really fantastic. Thank you for asking. It's really great to talk to you. I'm so excited to chat to you. I, I genuinely don't know how you do it. When I look at your CV, when I watch you on telly and then realise you're also doing a bazillion other things, I just kind of think, hang on, have you got a cloning machine? How are you getting all this in? <laughs> You know, I always like to say that that we we should never define ourselves by any one thing. Um, And it's something I'm quite passionate about, actually, is is doing many, many things. Because, you know, we sort of like, as humans, we we like to really kind of box people off and say, oh, you're a nurse, you're a DJ, you're a mother, you're, you know, whatever, a librarian. And actually, you know, names and labels are so divisive. So I sort of, along my path, decided, you know what, I'm going to try loads of different things. And I don't care if people can't really decide which box I fit into because we shouldn't really fit into a box anyway right so I've sort of I've spent the last few years just branching out and and I think in the in my industry in particular you kind of have to do that because if you're beholden to you know commissioners
commissioners or beholden to producers or beholden to other people to tell you what to do. Gosh, I mean, you could be sitting around for a long time waiting yeah. for that phone to ring. So, yeah, I think that's why I just really enjoy doing different things. I call it the CV of life. It allows you to branch out and do things and, and take that brave step, you know? Well, yes, except that you have an outlying quality here, Amanda, which is that when other people branch out, thinking of myself, for example, and try new things, then people throw us back the lovely phrase, jack of all trades, master of none. You, however, are master <laughs> of all trades. So it's a slightly different <laughs> thing. Well, I thank you for saying that. That's very, very kind. And, you know, I would say the same about you. And I think, you know, something that I always say is that uh, positivity and mental, positive mental attitude is the key to everything. When you get to chat to someone that has a new book out, sometimes you're lucky enough to get a look at the book before you get to chat to them. And, and this was one of those occasions, thankfully. And at first, I sort of, about a week ago, I had a kind of quick skim through it to get the gist of what it was about. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, no, I, I kind of get it. And then <laughs> I thought, hang on, a couple of pages kind of caught my attention and I read them properly. And I was like, actually, I'm going back, I'm going to read this properly. Because yeah, I'm not just going to look at the pretty pictures, of which there are lots of lovely pretty pictures, by the way, of yourself. <laughs> generally, you. generally in your kitchen. I don't know why this is making me laugh so much. I'm just <laughs> if you looking at the pretty pictures. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's great. I mean, I loved it. But because at first, you know, you'll you'll excuse me for this, I'm sure. Because at first, having uh, sort of reading just the intro, I sort of think, okay, this is a book aimed at women. I'm probably not the right audience for this. And I thought, actually, hang mm-hmm. on, let's let's be a bit more open-minded. Let's let's kind of dive in properly. And what I love uh, at the very start of this book, it's clear that it's a self-help book. It's clear that you're going to outline a different way of people that can approach a number of different subjects, from diet to mental health to to the kind of attitudes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All sorts of stuff that you discuss, kind of veganism and caffeine and gut health and everything. It's all in there. And it's clear from the start that you kind of say, listen, this book has the ability to do amazing things for you, but but you are the one that have to do the amazing things. You put a disclaimer yeah. out there from the beginning. This isn't going to suddenly transform your life unless you allow it to, unless you make the necessary changes, which is a really important Absolutely. thing. But you also Absolutely. infuse this book with, yes, you've got the certificates as you've established. Yes, you've got the knowledge, but you've also lived it. And this, I think, is really important. You know, you're, you're very open and, 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 you know, your honesty throughout this book is, is hugely compelling. And it's, 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 I think, what marks this book out from other books that people will be able to go, you know, on a similar shelf in the, in the shops. Because you, you start talking about your own story. And like you just say, there are plenty of people out there that look at people on telly and in magazines and whatnot and think, oh, easy life, must be easy. Yeah, must have loads of money and a really simple life. And actually, absolutely, the more people I've been able to talk to for this show and other shows, etc., the more I think it's clear to the listener that people like yourself have actually not just suffered and struggled and lived through challenges, but they've also had to do it almost in a harder way because of the spotlight. Absolutely. Thank you. My gosh, I'm so overwhelmed with all those lovely compliments. That's really, really kind of you. Um, And yes, I couldn't have written this book without having worn my heart on my sleeve because that's what the whole book was intended to do. It was apart from being cathartic for me because of, you know, the three decades of, I suppose, emotional abuse that I I gave myself, trying to be perfect, beating myself up, doing yo-yo diets, trying to please everybody, all of those things that, you know, as human beings, a lot of us, the majority of us go through on a day-to-day basis. You don't have to be a woman. You don't have to be a man. You don't have to be in the public eye. You know, it all it, it's on a very, very basic human level, we all go through these things. Uh, and like you say, yes, sure, you know, you can be in a bubble while you're living these or not in a bubble. We all go through these issues. And so for me, that's why it was really important to be so open and so raw and so 
kind of honest about everything um, because otherwise how can I help others if I'm not deeply raw and and it's really interesting because the book was actually originally going to be about health and fitness and I'm 47 now so it was going to be how to look good in your 40s and beyond and that was sort of the underlying theme originally so as I sat down to write the book and you know I started to pour my heart out puke on the page as every author kept telling me to do I was like wait what literally yeah. Uh, no, no, just that's puke not, on the page. That's not how to look good at 47, incidentally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're very clear about that. That's the sequel. Um, <laughs> so uh, it very, very quickly became apparent to me that without mental health, nothing else was going to fall into place. Mm. So, you know, that physical health was going to be fleeting and obviously would not lead to happiness. Just doing the research on mental health, the statistics of 45-year-old woman apparently is, is as likely to be dissatisfied with her appearance as her 19-year-old daughter and will pass those insecurities on to her child. And in the same way, just as you said, you know, this book is not just for women. As a woman, it was much easier for me to say, this is the life that I've lived. These are the issues that I've come across and these, these are the ways that I've resolved them. And as a woman, it probably would reach out to, to women as well. But as I say, the same issues affect men. And it's interestingly why I asked Russell Brand to read the book. He read an early copy and Russell for me is such, a, you know, he's such a pillar of inspiration and, and everything that he's been through. You know, he's been through body image issues. He's obviously been through addiction. He came back with such a glowing endorsement that it was really, it, it drove it home to me that yes, of course, this is, this is for men, it's for women. In fact, it's also not for people in their 30s and 40s. My body image issues and my issues started when I was 16. Yeah. And genuinely, if I'd had a book like this, if I'd had the information, which is basically basic information, I, I genuinely don't think that I would have had the pain and the anguish emotionally and physically that I did for, for almost three decades. So that was the goal. The goal was just to sort of reach out to everyone and try and touch as many people within such a, a wide demographic as I possibly could. So fingers crossed, hopefully it's done the trick. You've but, smashed it. You know, You've smashed it. It's thank terrific. you. It's oh, terrific. thank you. And let's, I mean, Amanda, if you're okay, I'd like to explore you know, a couple of the things that you, you touched on, because I think, I think it, it sort of validates the reasoning behind the book and, and why you're the right person to write it. Incidentally, just as an aside, top marks on the swear count in the book. I always enjoy it. <laughs> I always enjoy a good f Can we swear on this? No, we probably can't. I don't think we can. <laughs> 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 but I'm loving the swear count, the swear count in the book. It, it, it just keeps me going, keeps me laughing. And, and reminds me who's written it, actually. You know, your voice is very authentic throughout. And, and when you swear as well, I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, I like that. <laughs> Thank well you. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting as well because, you know, I'm sort of known for, I suppose, in TV for presenting shows like Total Wipeout. So very fun and deprecating shows. And, and when I was writing it, because a lot of the, the subject matter is so serious and it's very important that sometimes I'd write a chapter and I'd, I'd reread it and go, oh, I've just bored myself. <laughs> and uh, and I would, I'd literally, my phrase was, you know, my husband would say, how's it going today? And I would go, I've got to funny it up. I've got to, I've got to me it up. So they, they would become my phrases to, to me it up. Um, and, and, and it's really easy to write something that's, that's sort of factual and, you know, very scientific. And in fact, when I submitted the book in December, in January, my copy editor came back and said, okay, love it. Great. There's just a lot of science in there. So yeah. can we take that out? And, and actually, 
that made sense because I thought, yes, of course, of course, I'm I'm writing this for people who may not know this information mm. and who are reading it for the very first time with very fresh eyes. And, you know, and then I, I'm Irish. I, I like to swear a little bit too much, unfortunately. And uh, that's me, you know, every now and then. It, and my parents are reading it at the moment. So they're, they're halfway through it and they've not mentioned the swears. So I think I'm good. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they've got a special Tipex copy. <laughs> yeah. Just to kind of go back to where I was, because I, I, I have to always take a tangent about swearing because it's great. I love it. Uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's my favourite vice. Anyway, let's, my mom, you and me both. My mum will now tell me off when she listens to this. <laughs> I get a phone call, Andrew. She's the only one that gets away with that. You, anyway. you can't Tipex radio, unfortunately. <laughs> no, that's true. There we go. Such is life. But yeah, so, so you know, a, a lot of... A lot of what powers this book, you, you talk about this inner voice and, and you talk about how, you know, I think it was at 15, your inner voice started telling you things about yourself that were not kind, that were not cool things, that were things that, you know, you, your own harshest critic. And actually this this led to you destroying your self-worth and your mental health. I believe you, you had a diet for about 12 months of peaches, popcorn and slim fast shakes, which sounds Correct. awful for just an hour, let alone a 12 month period, uh, you know. None of, none of that. That's not a good combination, Amanda. But it's, oh, it's especially an awful me. combination to live on. And and so yeah. that's that's the point. Is if if that's if that was your truth, if that's what you're living through, you're just getting into modelling. You're in the public eye. You know the world is starting to watch on, and you're feeling like you're not good enough. And you, you know, the only way you'll be able to compete with other people, etc., is by the you know this this kind of incredibly damaging diet and 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 everything else. Where was your head at? Because it doesn't sound like it was in a happy place at all. It's it's so funny because you know even listening to you relaying that to me it just sounds like a different a different lifetime and a different child I suppose in a sense because at sixteen that's really all you are and I just remember being so emotionally discombobulated I suppose I do love that word um, and yeah I, I, and I suppose it just it really it encompasses how I felt because I was so confused about everything and yet really smart. I was a smart, smart teenager and a smart kid. And yet I couldn't see the wood for the trees. And I don't know if that, that emotional journey and that, you know, horrible relationship I had with my, my body started when a friend of mine and I were sitting in my bedroom. We were, we were looking at a a poster of Morton Harkett going, yep. That guy's coming to my 17th birthday party. How do we get this to happen? And uh, well, I was wearing, you know, remember cycling shorts when they were fashionable. And she just said, oh, look at the way the end of the cycling short kind of cuts into your leg and there's a bit of fat popping out. Ha, 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 ha. And it just goes to show you how susceptible the mind is at any age, but in particular in young women and and men. I remember that so vividly. It's a long time ago and I remember so vividly that sentence and thinking, oh, well, that's not very nice. I'm going to have to fix that. And then that sort of spiraled, I think, you know, because then it was it was the 90s, you know, supermodel era. We had the quick fix diet came into fashion. So you had things like Atkins, you had things like the Slim Fast. Slim Fast is the first thing I ever did. And I'll never forget it. You know, I used to hide the Slim Fast carton down the side of my bed. This was when it came in a shaker and you had to put the powder in and the water and shake it. Okay. Um, and, you know, this, this idea that I, I think, you know, I was obviously reading magazines and, and looking at these words, the subliminal message that was coming through, which was 
seven pounds in seven minutes and, you know, you get a beach body and, and all of these crazy, crazy, unrealistic headlines. And they have not gone away. They really haven't gone away. So I think, you know, at that stage, this was before modeling, it was before TV. And so it was, it was very much a case of, it was sort of drilled in. It was like this idea of perfection. If you can be perfect, then life will go your way, you know, and it's all because these idealist opinions, ideas just well, are so detrimental to our mental health. They're so detrimental to our physical health without even knowing it. And it's almost like it sort of just drip fed itself through this like IV drip of life throughout the years and just kept on doing more and more damaging things. And I remember just speaking so unkindly to myself, saying things in my own mind, like you're fat or this doesn't fit you or you should be better. Or And then I got into modeling and I wouldn't get a casting. And then, oh, well, that's because you're not good enough or that's because your nose is too fat or that's because your ears are too big or that's because your skin's not right. And then that just perpetuated itself throughout life. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is how when we're children, we are championed by our parents, by our aunts and uncles, by our siblings, by everyone. Oh, you're amazing. Andy, you did the biggest poo-poo. Well done. I still do, actually. You know. I'm still, still pretty good at that. <laughs> oh, if your mother is listening, she's going to love this. <laughs> She'll be proud. Um, she will be very proud. Still very proud, I am sure. Um <laughs> And so it's somewhere along the line, you know, we just sort of allowed these negative voices to seep in and, and they don't go away. They just get louder and louder and louder. And they become then the voice that you listen to the most. So that's the unfortunate part is from being brilliant and being the best singer in the classroom and being so good at handwriting and Andy being the best pooper. You know, we get to the stage where you go, Andy, you can't poo in your pants. What are you talking about? You're, you're vile. Oh, my gosh. And so you start hearing these negative things of being naughty and being vile and, and, and not doing the things you should be doing according to society. And, and before you know it, you're in your 40s and you, you think you're a bad person or you think you're not good enough or you just think you quite, haven't quite come up to, to society's sparkling version of what you should be. And all of that stuff is compounded by social media because we're not getting the likes that we want and people aren't following us or someone's unfollowing us or someone's saying something mean. And then you find yourself just in this, this whirlwind of absolute panic and listening to these awful voices. I call mine the sock puppet. And I've called it the sock puppet for many years because a long time ago when, when in my drinking days, my best friend Jill and I, we used to talk about the puppet in our ear because, you know, you'd have that hungover week post-drinking weekend and you'd have these voices going, you're an idiot. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? And so that was sort of where I, I imagined my, my sock puppet in my head. And, and during my self-help years, when I really tried to turn everything around and when I made my switch, I decided to give that voice a name and uh, a visualization and I see it like the the sock puppet in Rainbow and I know you're old enough to remember of course if you're old enough to remember VHS Roger um, and Freddie and, and Zippy right Bungle. so 
Bungle. Oh my gosh, didn't you love them? So Zippy <laughs> is my, my, Mrs. Zippy is my manifestation of this Brilliant. puppet. So I see her and I zip her mouth shut. And interestingly, I've not seen Mrs. Zippy for a very long time because, you know, I've sort of done this work on myself and how I speak to myself and how I learned not to listen to that voice anymore and to listen to my own voice instead. And the positive voices around me, you know, things like compliments. Oh, Andy, you look great today. Do I? I mean, I feel, you know, we're so attuned to saying these naughty, nasty things to ourselves. So now when anybody gives me a compliment, thank you. That's brilliant. Take that on. You know, it's really hard at first. (laughs) And then the more you sort of say thank you, then you actually, you please the person who's given it to you rather than say, oh, no, I don't. I feel X, Y, Z. And and then by doing that, you're actually saying to that person, hey, you're a liar because I don't believe that you just said I was nice. I don't believe you mean it. So, you know, all of these things that there's so many different ways we can kind of get rid of that nasty inner voice that that so many of us have. And a lot of us call it different things. You can call it, you know, mental chatter, or sometimes you could call it ego, or you could call it the voice in your ear, any of those things. I mean, whatever, it's, it's the same, it's the same little voice that, stops us from from living our best life i think my thanks to amanda byram her book the switch is out to buy now after the break my final guest for this week is one of team gb's greatest ever olympians he is sir chris hoy driven with andy j on talk radio in association with paramex digital you dream it we bring it to life Find out more at drivenchat.com. Welcome back to Driven with me, Andy J, here on Talk Radio. Now, my final guest for this week is Olympic legend Sir Chris Hoy, who joined me in our Driven Chat truck, which goes around the UK to get even closer to your favourite celebrities. Now, I started the interview by asking him not about his success, but actually about his failures as he releases his new book, Be Amazing. You watch any sports person comp- compete or perform at the highest level when they're at the top of their game. You know, you watch Usain Bolt, you watch Michael Phelps, you see these guys perform and you think, well, they're just, A, they're just good at what they do. You know, they just get out of bed and they're excellent yeah. at sport. Yeah. They're not. You know, he's had, both of them had to train incredibly hard, the thousands of hours that work in, went into work in the background. Um, but equally, we all have days that are, that are poor days, that are bad days, that are frustrating days. They're not always ones that people see. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they are. Um, but we all have ups and downs. And if, you, if you're an Olympics fan and you watch the sports every four years, once every four years, and you see the performances then, you might, you could be forgiven for thinking, well, that is your level, that's where you are all the time. For me, I was peaking at the right time and I would have some really frustrating seasons or races or drop-offs in performance, defeats, injuries, crashes, um, but they don't always, you know, make the headlines. So, yeah, we've, I think, failure is it's a massive part of your journey and of your success because you have to you've got to make mistakes to learn from them you know you can't you can't learn from other people's mistakes you've got to make the mistakes yourself and right. then when you do that's part of the process but as long as you learn from what you, you work out well why did it happen you know what went wrong why how can i change it next time and that makes you stronger and, and you're equipped to deal with that situation again and that's the winning mindset isn't it chris and, and, and the thing is you know you talk about michael phelps usain bolt obviously yourself to the layman looking in that kind of doesn't see the effort and doesn't see the hundreds of thousands of hours that you put into practice, etc. It's easy for us to just say, oh, well, it's just natural talent. They're just born with it. Your journey, if I'm correct, started when you watched E.T. That's right. Yeah, I was inspired. Um, I'd never seen a BMX bike before. I watched E.T. and I saw that, that the chase scene at the end of the film where they're getting chased by the police and they're going over jumps and 
carving through turns and I'd never seen a bike used that way before and that was that was the moment I thought wow you know I want a BMX bike and it wasn't that I thought I want to become an Olympic champion at that moment but that was the first spark that moment of inspiration that got me interested in bikes which t set me on that path towards towards Olympic gold but um but yeah it's you know I, I was one of those people that, that I, I used to think when I was a kid that Olympic champions that world champions successful people were born that way they were different yeah. to, to the rest of us and and they were destined to be great and that, you know that well if I'm not the best in my class or the best in my year or the best in my team now what hope do I have of making the Scotland team when I'm an adult or becoming a, a champion cyclist or writing a book or whatever it was you know you, you assume that this is the path you're on now the trajectory is set and you know it's it's only going one way but it's it's absolutely not the case and the more I've seen in the world of people in different you know industries different fields whether it's sport or entertainment or anything um you know it's you get what you put in you you have to put incredible amounts of hard work that people don't see That's it. and it's so often fed to the younger generation now in particular that it's this overnight success you know talent shows where people just sort of open their mouths and sing as if like oh i didn't know i could sing yeah exactly you know it's 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 wrong you know the word, even the word talent it it just it, it insinuates that there is no there's no graft there's no mm. hard work going on behind that it's all about it's just an, a natural talent and i think potential is a far greater word to say that everyone has the potential to do amazing things and to to achieve way beyond what they can they could ever imagine you know yeah. I, I to win even one olympic gold was it was a pipe dream for me but it was it was something that i thought well i might never get there but i'd love to aspire i'd love to tr try and see how far along that journey i could get towards that gold medal even just to make the team would be yeah. amazing. But if I set that as the goal, have a ridiculously big goal. Why not aim high? Too right. And you know, you might fall short, but you could still achieve way more than you ever thought was possible. And every stage I got to, I started thinking, well, I never used to, I, you know, I never would have imagined this is possible, but I've done it. So I wonder if the next stage is possible. But I think, you know, in the book, I talk about, first of all, finding your passion, which we all need to do. And if you don't have it yet, how you go about that. Once you find your passion, then aiming high and not, not limiting what you believe you can do. And then once you've got that, it's like, well, what do you do next? You have a plan. You have a, a strategy for, for how you're gonna get to, to the end point, you know, from where you are to where you want to get to. And you have a plan and you break it down into stepping stones. Yes, absolutely. And, and the other thing that I would say, and I'm, it'd be really interesting to get your reaction on this, is there's a sentence, cream rises to the top. I would say that's nonsense. Hmm. It's those that work hardest rise to the top. And again, it, it's another sort of saying that it gives you the impression that it just happens, you yeah, know. Yeah. It just it just happens. Yeah. Oh, we just got there because it's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've seen it. I think I'm a big believer that if you can see it, you can do it. If you have someone, whether it's your friend, your family, a teammate, um, people close to you that you can see, or even someone in your own country, you know, a fellow countryman winning medals yeah. um, can be enough for you to think, well, he lives in the same city as me, or he's from the same country as me. Maybe I could do what he's doing. And you know, I, I, when I was younger, certainly in the sort of 90s, British sport wasn't doing that well. It was underfunded. Yes. The athletes weren't getting a chance to really Absolutely. achieve their potential. And it was the terrible Olympics we had in 96 um, in Atlanta. We got one gold medal, the whole yeah. British team, yeah. in rowing. And I think that was the point the government and the, the country thought, well, come on, we're better than this. We, let's, yeah. let's put our money where our mouths are and let's actually invest in sport. Hopefully the spin-off will happen to the rest of the country too. People will become more active. and and. You know, you look at the difference between 1996 and, well, even 2008 in Beijing, we were, I think, fourth in the medal table overall. Fourth behind, you know, Russia, China and America, um, having been down in 30-something place. Yeah. You know, it's, 
it's incredible if you do invest it's not all about money but if you invest and you and you give people the opportunity what they can achieve absolutely and 2012 ripple effect i think we're actually from the feel-good bounce that we had from that which was mm. terrific so i mean let's talk about the book because firstly just the title is wonderful be amazing you know this is a book that you have written to inspire and help youngsters age ideally age nine and up mm -hmm. but I, you know i'm going to read it to my my eldest who's seven you know and what i love about this book and i want to spend more time with it because i've only had a, a sort of fleeting glimpse so far is that it's not sir chris hoy's guide to being sir chris hoy it's not hey you want to be a cyclist i'm the man to tell you even <laughs> though there's no greater authority on the matter it's here's how to get in the mindset to be anything you want to be it, it's really yeah, one of the first things I say in the book is this is not a book about cycling, it's not a book about even sport. This is a book about becoming your own champion, getting the most from whatever it is that you, you want to do in life. So whether it's becoming an author, whether it's becoming a dancer, musician, sports person, artist, whatever, you know, your passion is about finding a passion and then aiming high. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, how, how do you get the most from it? And also, the, probably the biggest message I try and get across is it's not about that end goal. It's not about... The gold medal it's not about you know success number of records sold or, or or whatever it's for me it's about enjoying the process of what you're doing you know loving what you do and if you get the the results at the end and that's the bonus that's the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake but yeah. the biggest thing that, that brings it home to me was you know having heroes who had achieved everything that i ever aspired to achieve to become an olympic champion or world champion and then finding out that that hadn't made them happy at all and right. that they still had the issues and the problems that they had before um, they were champions and realizing, well, the gold medal isn't, you know, this is someone who should be the happiest person on the planet and they're quite the opposite. And then other, the other side of the coin is I knew people that weren't winning gold medals within the team, but were having an amazing time and, and got the very most from every moment. So to me, it was a realization, well, still have, still aim to be the gold medal, still aim to win. And, and yeah, the winning is, will be amazing, but don't, don't see that as the most important thing because only one person can win the gold medal in each race. So it doesn't mean that the guy in second and third or fourth or last, um, A, they haven't deserved it or they haven't, you know, that they're not decent people or they, yeah. they, they, they aren't worthy. You know, they've worked incredibly hard. Just, you know, imagine making the Olympic final and coming last. That is an incredible achievement. Yeah. But at the time, you'd be disappointed because you hadn't achieved that gold medal. But yeah, it's not about the gold medal. It's not about the winning. It's about getting the most from whatever it is you choose to do and trying to trying to just encourage kids to, to believe in themselves and to, to be resilient, to bounce back from failure, failure to expect failure. Um, but yeah, to have fun on, on the whole journey. See, I really like this because it, because it's a, a kid's book, it's got me thinking about kids books and books mm -hmm. that I read to my little. And there's a book about a bear called Boris. Mm -hmm. You may have read it. He's mm -hmm. an Olympic bear, so he has to catch fish and roar and all the rest of it. Oh, I think yeah. it's, it's by Rob Bidoff, I think. Right. Oh, I know Rob Bidoff, yeah. You well, know I don't Rob know him, but I know his books, yeah. 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 And so it's a, it's a lovely illustrated book. Yeah. And the whole point of the book isn't about the fact, you know, there's this bear's competition and he's mm -hmm. going for another gold and another bear steals his roar. You know, that's, mm -hmm. the, that's the kind of setup. Right. But you realise throughout this whole thing that this champion bear, even though he's the champion bear, he's lonely. Doesn't matter mm -hmm. about how many golds he's won. He's not got a great life, which is mm. exactly what you're just talking about. Mm. And his journey to find his roar, actually, he finds friends. Mm. And it doesn't really matter how he lands anymore. He's going home to a happy space. So really what this book is about, what you've learned, having been there, had the highs and, and some lows, mm. but you yeah, know, yeah. Not, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. I was old, lucky, but old, yeah, I still the, had the a seesaw. Yeah. They're mostly highs. Yeah. But I guess what you're saying, I'm paraphrasing, so it's more a question than anything else, is if you'd 
not had six gold medals, mm -hmm. but say a couple of bronzes and a couple of fourths and fifths, but you were going home to your wife mm. and the kids and it was a lovely, happy home. That's still even, a win. Even not, you know, for me, making the Olympic team, getting to the Olympics, getting to the stage where you can present your country at the highest level, get the tracksuit, you know, what an honour, what an amazing thing to be an Olympian. Yeah. Even if you don't make it that far, you know, I've had teammates who were on the squad who probably would have been selected for any other nation at that time, but they happened to be in the British team when the British team were at the strongest they'd been. There were this has been my guys. problem. You know, that's been my <laughs> Any other country I would have <laughs> been a shoe in, in most of the other categories. But, it's, but, but you know, joking apart, there was, you know, John Norfolk um, is a, an old teammate of mine, and he was the fifth best guy in our, in our country at the time. The four guys ahead of him were all basically world medalists. Yeah. So he could have been top 10 in the world at that stage. So literally any other team in the world would have taken him to ride for, for their country. And he didn't get to compete. Still wouldn't have got a medal though, would he, to be fair? <laughs> but but the, you know, the point is that he, that didn't make him bitter or twisted or, or he didn't have a good time. He took the most he possibly could from his time as an athlete. He, he kind of, I think he learned a lot. He had his eyes open, looked around him, looked at the guys he was training with, learned from them to help himself but also took that knowledge and then started coaching and then worked his way up and then became the head of the, the Paralympic GB, um, the, the head coach there. Then oh, he went man. and worked for the Aussies, became one of their, their main um, senior management for the Australian Olympic team. And now he's back working for the, the British um, cycling team as one of the head coaches for the Olympic team now. And so what I'm saying is that you, you might think this is your path and this is your journey and that's your end goal, but some things can happen that as long as you're positive and as long as you take you know, the, the disappointments or the setbacks or just not quite getting what you think in a positive way, you can use that and whatever your next challenge is, your next journey, it could be something entirely different. You know, before I came out here, I was looking through my Instagram account, um, Instagram feed. Um, Pete Reed was a rower who won gold for GB. Um, you know, amazing athlete, amazing person. I think he was in the Marines before that, you know, just one of these action men, superheroes. And then he's, he's basically in a wheelchair now. He's lost right. use of his legs. He had, I think it was a spinal stroke or there was some kind of medical issue out of nowhere. So he was completely healthy and he's now um, unable to walk. And it's, it happened last year. And it's, to, to me, a winning mindset is the way, you see the way that he has responded to that situation. He's a guy that'd be amazing to have on for a chat as a yeah, guest. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely inspirational guy. And he's right in the thick of it right now. And he's posting the whole thing. And he's, he's doing it to try and encourage other people that are going through the same thing. So he's not thinking about himself. He's yeah. not, at any moment, he's not giving the poor me, poor me. But he's delivering it warts and all. He's not trying to, to pretend it's not a tough struggle. Mm. So his, you know, the way that he can, right, this is the challenge. These are the parameters. This is what I'm going to do. And to me, that is a, a positive mindset. That is a winning mindset to deal with no matter what it is. And his, his winning um, outcome for each day could be, well, I'm going to become slightly more proficient in the wheelchair so I can be more independent. Or... I'm going to do my physio, the, you know, the, the, the plan to the, the very best of my ability to try and improve this rehab process, and I'm going to walk again. My thanks to Sir Chris Hoy there, and his book, Be Amazing, is out to buy now. Well, that's it from Driven for this week. Next week on the show, I have three more superstar guests for you. We have Strictly Judge Craig Revel Hallwood, superstar actor Ben Hardy, and supermodel David Gandhi. So make sure you catch the show next week. And if you'd like to catch up with our massive back catalogue of celebrity conversations, you can do that via the Driven Celebrities podcast. Simply search Driven Celebrities wherever you get your pods. We'll be back for more next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.